The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Friday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Friday afternoon. Congratulations, you have made it. It's almost the weekend, and it is a busy one here in the Auburn Opelika area. High school football, college football tomorrow. It's going to be a busy few days here in the Auburn Opelika area, so hopefully you're going to get out and get involved with it. Uh, We've got so much to cover here on today's show. It's going to be busy, busy, busy for the next two hours 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us and before we get into this massive matchup uh, between Auburn and Penn State tomorrow don't you worry we're going to talk all about it today high school football is in the heart of the schedule right now we're about a month into high school football and if you are unaware of what's been happening here in the in this area of the state Teams like Auburn and Opelika and Lee Scott and Lochapoca have dominated so far through the first month or so of high school football. And it's been really cool to see Auburn High won again last night in dominating fashion against Lee. Carter, you and I have Lee Scott tonight, our first home game of the season. We've been on the road for a month straight, man. I'm very glad to have a home game. Just yes. To, just to not have to get in the car and drive two hours somewhere. I'm to, telling uh, you. To, to call a game. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be at home. I know we have a big one tonight against Glenwood. I think uh, it's going to be a good time. It's, a, it's the game of the week, if you ask me. And I think uh, it's going to be a fantastic game. So if you're in the Auburn area and you're looking for something to do tonight, go over to Lee Scott Academy. Academy. They're hosting Glenwood, first home game of the season, and it's it's going to be a great matchup. This is two teams, two programs that are big-time rivals in the AISA. In the 3A region, it's the biggest region of AISA. We're looking forward to calling the game. If you can't make it out there to the game, you can listen to Carter and I on AU100. That's 100.3 on the radio dial. You can tune in as we call Lee Scott and Glenwood. It's a big game. It's going to be a packed house tonight. Uh, Broadcast starts at 6.30, kickoff at 7 over on the Lee Scott Sports Network on AU100. Again, that's 100.3 FM. But earlier, we sat down with Noah Gardner. Of course, he used to host this show, and he is now the creator and the producer of the East Alabama High School Football Newsletter and Podcast. We sat down with him earlier and discussed all of the big games going on here in the area for high school football. So sit back, relax, and listen as me and Noah, uh, we talk about some high school football that's going on in the area tonight. Back here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Welcoming back Noah Gardner, who is the uh, he is the uh, the host and the writer for the East Alabama High School Football Newsletter and the podcast. Noah, it's Friday yet again. It's a busy time for you. I know. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Jacob. Appreciate you having me on. It is Friday, and that means it's a good day for some high school football. 
Well, there's good high school football in this area. It seems to be some of the best across the state as these teams in the area just continue to do the one thing, and that's win football games. And so through uh, about four weeks now of this high school football season, what have you seen from the, the schools in this area on the football field? They're not just winning. It's the way that they're winning that's really impressive. These teams are making statements every week and the fact that we're still talking about every team in this area Auburn, Lochapoca, Borgard, Opelika, Lee Scott we're still talking about all these teams being undefeated at this point it's kind of crazy we're not used to it because typically Auburn and Opelika have played by now typically these teams have a loss or two at this point in the year and that's just the way that it's shaken out by virtue of scheduling most of these teams have played some really tough teams And you think, just then, when you think it's going to come last week for Opelika, what do they do? They don't trail for one moment. They trail for a total of zero seconds against Central Phoenix City. They really control the game from start to finish and ultimately win it in overtime. Those are the types of things that I'm talking about making statements. The fact that they didn't trail against Central, they were in control of it. Auburn beating a team 31 to nothing, beating Jeff Davis. Now, granted, it was Jeff Davis, but still, Winning 31 to nothing. Lee Scott has only given up six points across three football games. That's unreal. You look at all of these teams, the way that they're winning football games, they're making statements, and that's what's impressive. It's about how they're winning, not just that they're undefeated, because eventually these teams are going to lose a football game. Auburn and Opelika must play, right? But the way that they're winning is truly impressive. Well, Noah, I want to go back to the Opelika Central Phoenix City game because it was a 17-14 win in overtime for Opelika last week. The Bulldogs are now 4-0 and on the season. Of course, they play Prattville tonight. We'll get into that in just a second. But with, with Opelika beating a team and a program like Central in overtime, and like you said, they didn't trail for the entire game, what does that mean for this Opelika program moving to 4-0? and well, they're in pole position right now. They're staying with the leaders in the pack, and now have moved past one of the teams that you thought would be the leader in Central. They control their own destiny from here out, right? If they can beat Auburn and not take any setbacks to some teams that I think now, decidedly, you would say are of a lesser caliber than Opelika right now, you would say Opelika is one of those teams that's in a position to potentially win the region. If they can beat Auburn, you would imagine that they would be able to pull out the region championship. And that's a place that many people didn't think or nobody thought that Opelika would be in at this point. Let's just be real. They're coming into 7A. Most people thought it would be a battle for them to get into the playoffs. Now, from the start, I said I thought this was a playoff team. I thought this was a team that could be playing into November and then maybe deep into November, right? I like this team a lot. I like this program a lot. I think they're extremely well coached. It's really fun to watch Opelika play football. And now that they've pulled off an upset of this caliber, and maybe Central didn't play their best game, but I'll tell you, I was at that game. Those two teams, it was physical. It was rainy. At the end of the day, that's about being a man and moving a leather ball over a white line in between two hashes. That was a physical football game. And you look across the field at Central, they had some guys that look like they'll be playing football at the next level, as they always do. They were some huge players. They had the size advantage over Opelika, but what did Opelika do? Move a leather ball over a white line in between two hashes, and they did it on a repeated basis. It was extremely impressive. They were physical. This Opelika team is extremely talented. I think that the sky's the limit for them. It's going to come down to that Auburn-Opelika game, and I think 
it's possible for Central to bounce back, ultimately potentially force a three-way tie, say Opelika loses to Auburn, and then Central beats Auburn. You've got a three-way tie at the top. This region is by no means finished. I would not stick a fork in Central and say that they're out of still winning this region championship. But I will say it does put Opelika in a position where they could finish either number one or number three in this region. But I think they're headed for the playoffs if they don't suffer any major setbacks. We're speaking with Noah Gardner, who is the creator of the East Alabama High School Football Newsletter. Noah, some other programs in the area that have caught your eye through the last couple of weeks. Of course, we talked to you about some of the other games last week, but now as we're coming into really what is the heart of the high school football schedule, some of the other programs here in the area that have caught your eye. Well, I haven't been able to go see Lee Scott play yet, so I don't know if I can necessarily say that Lee Scott has caught my eye, but I can say that their scores have really impressive and you see it on a daily basis as you're the guy who calls the games for the Lee Scott Warriors on the Lee Scott Sports Network but I'll tell you those scores are jaw-dropping and it's the fact that they've only given up six points over three games is amazing and I'm not saying that the three teams they played out the gates yet maybe are the the best teams in the state they're about to play Glenwood and I'm going to be at that game I'm going to go head out go watch Lee Scott as their only team at home this week and go make sure I go check them out and that's obviously a big rivalry game. So I'm interested to see if they make another one of those statement blowout wins against a team that's traditionally is one of the best teams in all of AISA. And Glenwood maybe struggled out the gates. They've rebounded a bit. This is going to be a fun game to watch. And I'm sure they feel like their backs are against the wall. And I'm sure Glenwood feels like they need to go and make a statement in this game to try and let everybody know, hey, we may have started slow, but we're not going anywhere. We're still here. And as well as the way that they lost to Lee Scott last year, that's going to encourage them to come out and try and return the favor on Lee Scott's home field. So Lee Scott's scores have been extremely impressive. I'm excited to go see them take the field this week against Glenwood and uh, try and earn a little bit more respect because if you look at the ASWA ranking, Lee Scott's not getting the respect that maybe that they deserve. And I think that's kind of shocking considering they made the semifinals of the playoff this te- last year. This team's not come out of nowhere. They've been here. They were a great team last year. Beat Glenwood last year. This was a team that was you know, a quarter away from playing for a state championship last year. Absolutely ridiculous that they're not getting the respect um, that, that some of the other teams are at AISA with the pedigree that I think this team's building out the gates. I mean, that, you just don't go and put up the results that Lee Scott's doing and, and somehow you're a bad football team. No, Lee Scott's the real deal. Well, Noah, I wanted to ask you about that Glenwood-Lee Scott game last year because, of course, you were doing the Lee Scott Sports Network. And what what can Lee Scott carry from that game, if anything, because of how crazy it was in the one-score, one-point game, rather, and now they're playing at home for the first time this season. Uh, what can Lee Scott do successfully that they did last year to win again this year against Glenwood? I think it's carry confidence, and you can tell the confidence is different and this isn't a cop-out answer. I'll explain what I mean a little bit more in detail about confidence here. Lee Scott lost their opener last year to Chambers like 41-3. to Okay, and, and you're talking about how, you know, you go through the fall or fall camp, you know, you're getting ready for, for the regular season and this team, you know, you're talking about how it's going to be different this upcoming year. And then you lose to Chambers 41-3 to and you, you, you're like, wow, we, we still haven't, you know, we came off a 2-7 and season and still lose 41-3. to This is a team that was still trying to learn to win at that point. And ultimately, you go into that Glenwood game and you see the wrestling of powers here, okay? Maybe Glenwood doesn't play their best game last season, but you see the wrestling of powers. Glenwood still has a lot of talent. Lee Scott trying to find a way to win. One team throws a punch, the other team throws it back. Who's going to be left standing? 
when it's all said and done. And ultimately, Lee Scott is the team who makes the defensive stand. Glenwood has the ball last, and Lee Scott makes the defensive stand with Joseph Horn at defensive end, batting the ball down at the line of scrimmage. Place goes crazy. They storm the field when the game's over. Okay, At that moment, Lee Scott learned how to win a big football game, and they never looked back last year. The way that they improved from that moment forward, I mean, of course, they did lose in the semifinals of the state playoffs. It's not like they were invincible. But you look at the product that Lee Scott's putting on the field this year, it is a product based off of the confidence that they built last year. And then they added to it, got some new players in there this year. They've continued to build on what they did last year and then the year before that. The confidence is something that they can carry into this year. No more gone are the doubts, right? Now there are expectations to mm-hmm. win. And Lee Scott expects to win this football game. And I think that's something that will serve them well. No more are the doubts. This is a team that believes they can win. Right. Well, look, you talked about the scores for Lee Scott and how they have just blown the doors off of their opponents so far. And the the score speaks for what happened on the field. I can tell you that firsthand. I've seen it and it is from start to finish a complete football game for Lee Scott right now. They seem to be locked in focused every single game. And like you mentioned, maybe not the highest quality of opponent they're going to see this year so far uh, in their first three games, but the score speaks for itself. They have really, really shown uh, that they have taken that next step as a team and as a program under head coach Buster Daniel. We're speaking with Noah Gardner, the creator of the East Alabama High School Football Newsletter. As we come into, again, the heart of this high school football schedule, what are some things you're wanting to see tonight? I know you're going to be at Lee Scott, but what are some results that you expect to see around the, or around the state, around the region tonight, around high school football? Win, baby, win, right? Now, Borgard's on the road in Troy against Charles Henderson. This is the big game for, for Borgard. Not that the ones before haven't already been big games. I mean, the fact that they beat Valley the way that they did, and then they doubled up and beat Tallahassee the next week, which Tallahassee has been a traditional power in their region over the years. And maybe both of those teams are down a little bit this year, but I can tell you Borgard's up. This Borgard team's for real. I think they've done a lot of work. They're in a smaller region. They only play five or six region games, so to already beat 2-0 and puts you in a position to make the playoffs. This Borgard team, as they continue to improve, they got a stud quarterback and A.J. Wallace, a dual-threat guy who can run the football, can throw the football. I'm interested to see how this team runs up against the Charles Henderson team right now that's undefeated. Borgard's playing their best team yet that they've played against. And um, I think it's going to be a really tough game for them. Charles Henderson's a really good team. Um, and, and if Borgard loses, it doesn't say anything negative about Borgard. This Borgard team's for real in their region, and I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Central Clay's the team in that region that you know goes 12 and 0, 12 and 1 most years, and Central Clay probably is the favorite to win that region at this point. But I wouldn't be shocked if Borgard finishes second in the region and maybe only totes one or two losses at the end of the year, losing to you know Charles Henderson or, or a Central Clay County when it go, when it's all said and done. And kind of the underlying storyline in that region with Borgard right now is they'll play their former head coach, Rob Carter, at Sylacauga in a couple of weeks. And I know that's a game that's probably circled on both sides of that football matchup. And Sylacauga's struggling right now. Uh, they're winless coming into this week of high school football. So there's a, lot to, there's a lot to look at in that region right now with Borgard. And Borgard's enjoying what is going to be, I think, a really successful season when you, when you look at it. Well, Noah, look, it's an exciting time. I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot going on with, with the job and then now with the uh, the uh, East Alabama High School Football Newsletter, but it's exciting times because it's in the heart of the high school football season. This region and this area has 
uh, just shown off and shown why this is one of the best places to play high school football in the state of Alabama. Let everybody know what you've got going on over there with this East Alabama high school football newsletter. For those that have not heard of it yet, let them know what it is, how they can access it, all the good stuff, man. You can check us out at East Alabama HS dot substack dot com. That's how you can reach us. Um, East Alabama HS football dot substack dot com. Uh, we put up some some content throughout the week about uh, the local high school football games going on. We preview those games for you as well as I've got a podcast that people are able to subscribe to on Apple Podcasts as well as through the Substack. Uh, it's completely free. All of the content gets delivered straight to your email inbox. Oh, the only way that you know, the, the only thing you have to do to subscribe is put your email in uh, to the subscribe box on our website, and then that will get you signed up to receive all of our content delivered straight to your inbox. No hassle, no spamming. Uh, just any, anytime we publish something to the website, it also gets sent direct, directly to your email inbox, so you don't have to go search for it. Well, Noah, look, man, I appreciate you coming on and giving us all the uh, the inside scoop on high school football here in the area. It should be a great night of football yet again. Enjoy your trip back to Lee Scott and watching him take on Glenwood tonight, man. Looking forward to it, and have a good call, Jacob. That was Noah Gardner, who is the creator and now the producer of the East Alabama High School Football Newsletter, talking about some of the big games going on in the area tonight. Of course, Auburn High played last night. They had a big win over Lee and just excited to get the high school football back here on Friday night. Home, Lee Scott against Glenwood. Carter and I will be on the call. We're excited for that game as well. It's just a great time uh, for high school football here in the area. They're dominating so far, and I think they're going to continue that trend. Let's take our first break here in hour number one. We'll come back, talk some college football when we come back here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Uh, Again, big thank you to Noah Gardner sitting down with us talking some high school football as that will be underway tonight. Uh, Here in Auburn, it's Lee Scott and Glenwood. All the other teams in the area, Auburn played last night in Opelika, Lochapoka. They're all on the road. Beauregard's on the road as well, I think. So they're all on the road, but Lee Scott at home against Glenwood. Broadcast at 6.30, kickoff at 7 on the Lee Scott Sports Network. That's on AU100 our sister station that's 100.3 fm or you can find it on the lee scott sports network facebook page and on the lee scott sports network youtube channel Uh, we're excited to be home for the first time this season should be a big big matchup packed house Uh, we're excited to be home me and carter for lee scott versus glenwood but as we get into some of the college stuff going on, uh, we're going to have Jack Hudden from the Auburn High School Sports Network joining us in studio the second hour. We're going to be talking all the games from around the SEC, giving our picks for those games, our picks for Auburn versus Penn State, all that good stuff. But question of the day, and you know, it, it's looking at the entire Week 3 slate, excluding Auburn and Penn State, because I do think that's one of the best matchups of the weekend Carter, looking at the Week 3 slate, what is the one game besides Auburn-Penn State that you are going to have to be 100% sitting in front of the TV to watch? What's the other best game of Week 3 outside of Auburn-Penn State? We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. For me, it has to be that BYU at Oregon game just because I believe in this BYU team. I think they're more physical. They have a better quarterback than Oregon does. 
And I, I just, I don't think that, that I mean, I think Oregon's soft. And I think that BYU is going to go up there and show people that. There's a reason why that line has dropped from, what, six and a half at the beginning of the week to three and a half today. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just, I believe in this BYU team. I think we're going to be talking on Monday about BYU being legitimate college football playoff contenders just with the way that their schedule shapes out they still if, have some tough games on it though they they do but if they handle their business and they and they find a way to win out they will be in this playoff especially right now when you already have utah with a loss in the pac-12 and things could get really messy in the acc because you're not sold on clemson things look super messy in the big 12 because not only that baylor could still win the big 12 mm-hmm. and byu has the head-to-head win right so so if you're BYU, you're just rooting for Baylor the rest of the year, and you're rooting for Oregon in the Pac-12 if you get this win on Saturday. Yep. There is a path that BYU could have wins over two Power 5 champions and then also Notre Dame this year. I mean, Yeah, I think the BYU-Oregon game is going to be a good game. I could see, uh, I mean, there, if you told me, if you, were, you came from the future and you came back and said Oregon wins this game, I'd say, yeah, I could see that. Or if you came back and said BYU wins this game, I could say, yeah, I could see that. I see where both teams could win this matchup. Oregon being at home, I think, is big. I think Oregon is looking for that game to bounce back from after being embarrassed on national TV by Georgia. It's number 12 BYU, number 25 Oregon, 230 on Fox. Uh it's a great game, great matchup. I think BYU does win this game, but I think it's going to be a great game. We're talking about uh, the games, the best games of Week 3 outside of Auburn-Penn State. You have BYU and Oregon. Yes, what's your what's your pick? Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth on a couple of them just because there are some really, really, really good games, and maybe, you know, it's not the most sexy week in college football, right? There's definitely not as many big matchups as we've seen over the first two weeks of the season. But maybe not the game of the week, but a game I'm really, really excited to, to see the result of and watch maybe late Saturday night is Mississippi State and LSU. I'm Fair. really excited about this Agreed. game because what does LSU look like at home, at night, in Death Valley, Baton Rouge, Louisiana? They are looking for that game as well. After they lost to Florida State on that Monday or that Sunday night, excuse me, they are looking for a big bounce back win. They played somebody last week and beat them 55 to nothing or something like that. Doesn't really count in my book. They're looking for that first statement they played win. Southern. They Southern. Played Southern. There who, you go. Yeah. There you go. So they're ten, lo- ten minutes up the road <laughs> from, from, from their campus. They came yes. down just to lose sixty five to seventeen. And they got a nice payday though. Yeah, they got yeah, a nice that's that's what they're they're supposed to do. I if you're asking me, Mississippi State's resume right now is way more impressive. Mm-hmm. They went and beat Memphis. They went on the road and they beat an Arizona team that I think is much improved. I think you're going to see that in Pac-12 play. And so exactly, Jack Fish, he, he has a fun, really fun quarterback mm-hmm. transfer from Washington State. I just think this Mississippi State team is really good, and I'm going to continue to harp that everybody in the country is sleeping on this team. I think they're solid, but when you look at it again, LSU looking for that that game, right? They're looking for that win to get their season really started because it's tough sledding from here on out, and especially if LSU loses against Mississippi State, not to, to trash them, but if you can't beat Mississippi State, how are you going to beat really any other team in the SEC West on your schedule. And so if you don't win this one at home at night at your home place for LSU, 
it's going to be nasty in this first year under Brian Kelly. I think Mississippi State is good. I don't think they're great, but I do think they're good. I think Rodgers, well, he is unbelievable. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. He fits Mike Leach's system to an absolute T. He's in his third year in it, and I think this is a Mississippi State team that can really do some damage in the SEC. I'm going to be watching that game. It's 5 o'clock on ESPN. We'll probably catch most of the second half after Auburn and Penn State, but that's the game I'm going to be watching Saturday night. Here's a question I have for you. If LSU loses to Mississippi State, how many more wins do you see on the schedule for LSU? I'm going to say they're going to beat New Mexico, but this stretch of at Auburn, Tennessee at home, at Florida, uh, Ole Miss at home, bye week. If they lose to State? Alabama, yes. If they lose to State, how many more wins are there? Alabama at home, Arkansas on the road, UAB at home, Texas A&M on the road. Yeah, that's got to be up there for one of the toughest schedules, right? I mean, that that's tough because well, after it's, it's it's if you handle your business on the front end, you can have a solid year with that schedule. But you do, you so far have not handled you your business on the front end, and we're not confident that they get the win tomorrow night against Mississippi State. You got to go to Auburn. That's obviously tough. You have Tennessee at home. The time for that one's not set yet, but Tennessee's better than you on both sides of the football right now. I Florida's think- the same way. Ole Miss is the same way. Alabama's definitely the same way. Arkansas's the same way. I mean, you're Arkansas. looking at you're looking at four, maybe five wins for LSU, maybe. I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure if that's happening, but because I think legitimately when you look at the schedule, you can concretely say Tennessee's a better team, Florida's a better team, Ole Miss is a better team, Alabama, Arkansas, and A and M. Better the, team doesn't always win. Now, one the thing talent that talent should carry hundred percent that one LSU thing that LSU team. has going for them: Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, and UAB are at home. You gotta win those. That's what I'm saying about this one tonight. You gotta beat Mississippi State at home if you're LSU to save the season. And it's crazy that we're saying that this early. 30 minutes into hour number one, we're gonna talk about the significance of Auburn Penn State when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. On ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird with you on this Friday afternoon. We've got so much more to cover here on the show. We'd love for you to call in, be a part of the show, be on the line, 334-321-1390, and want to talk about the significance of this Auburn and Penn State game. Did Terry want to come on or no? No. No, okay. All right, no worries. I just want to make sure. Yeah, just want to make sure. Well, maybe (laughs) as the phone lines uh, continue to ring. But want to get into the topic of the significance of this Auburn-Penn State game because we know it's a big game. We know that all eyes across the country are going to be on this game. It's 2.30 CBS. It's the game of the week, in my opinion. Uh, there's some some ranked games, but this it doesn't get bigger than this. And look, we're, we're going to talk about the significance real quick, but let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. We got Terry on the It phone. is Terry. All right. How you doing, it's, it's, Terry? It's Happy my, Friday. It's my fault. I, I, I hung up on oh, Terry. Oh, you, you hung up on early. Terry. Well, hey, Terry, Carter said he was going to do that next time you called, that he was going to hang up on you. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't defend that. I'm sorry. I'd like to say that's the first time I've been hung up on, but that'd be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, Terry? Happy Friday, man. Hey, guys. How about y'all? Happy Friday. Happy We're football doing, Friday. Happy football Friday. What you got, man? Um, could the, the, a win or a loss be more damaging to Brian Harson? A win or a loss? 
Well, I, I shouldn't say that. A loss. How damaging would a loss be? Well, that's, the win naturally is not going to be a damage. Yeah, well, yeah. that's kind of what we were going to get into is the significance of this game and what the impact of it is. And one thing that I've said is it's crazy how how much weight and pressure is on this game because this is not an SEC game. This isn't Georgia. This isn't you know Ole Miss. It isn't one of those games in conference play where you you have the feeling of Auburn has to win, but you do have mm-hmm. that feeling for a Penn State Big Ten game that in reality doesn't have any effect on the impact and the outcome of this season standings-wise, but it feels like the entire weight of Brian Harson and his career at Auburn is on this Auburn-Penn State game on Saturday. I think, I think this game is so, so critical because of what it means from a momentum perspective going into the rest of the year. This is the game that if you go out and win a top 25 matchup, Penn State on the road at Auburn, first time a Big Ten school comes to town, I think it jump starts you, gives you some momentum through these next two games, Missouri and LSU, and then you can be 5-0 going into Athens. I think that's key. I think a loss makes it really hard to get off the mat just against this schedule because once you go to Athens, I mean, you're at Georgia, at Ole Miss, by week, Arkansas at home, at Mississippi State, Texas A&M at home, then you get Western Kentucky, then you go on the road to Alabama. I mean, it gets really hard starting with that Athens game. And see, I, my, my take on it is this, Carter, Jacob, uh, if, if you win, you go from 62nd recruiting maybe to 30th. Yeah, there's, there's a, a, yeah, a recruiter too. Yeah, we talked to Christian yesterday, Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. I mean, he was telling us there could be upwards to over, a, like, towards 100 kids on campus this weekend yeah. as recruits. I mean, 100%, 100% agree there. This, I didn't even mention that when I was just talking, but yes, this is a huge recruiting weekend. You got, it's the biggest game recruit wise in the country. So many people are going to be on campus. If you win, it goes a long way for that message that the staff has sent recruits all off season, which is just watch. Just watch the, this fall. Watch what we're going to do. This win goes a long way for that. There seems to be some uh, some evidence out there, some talk out there, that, that we may see Zach Calzada. Do you guys think so? I've heard the smoke. I've heard the, I've heard the noise a little bit. We're going to find out. But I'll tell you what, Terry, if TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford have multiple turnovers on Saturday tomorrow, it's, it's crazy that we're finally here, but – If they go in the game and it's a similar or worse performance than what we've seen so far, and and there's a big and here, and if Zach Calzada has finally picked up the offense a little bit and has started to actually be able to run the plays and get guys lined up, all of that stuff we were told he wasn't able to do yet, sure, there's a possibility. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But it would be nice to know if he has gotten to that point or not. Terry, Terry, oh, wow. I, I, I have a question for you. With the okay. with the Zach Calzada uh, reporting out there, I saw it on On3 with uh, Justin Hokinson, but uh, mm-hmm. with him saying that he got more attention this week and he took some first-team reps, Do what does that mean for T.J. Finley? Because Harson's been pretty complimentary of him on the whole, even when he's made mistakes in these first two games. He's like the pick against San Jose. He said, well, it was just a great play by that that defender, and then he did some good things. Does that does that start to put some serious doubt in uh, the 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 truthfulness of what of what Harson is saying about TJ Finley for you? Uh, to a degree. But I think that's just a coach defending his player, quite honestly. Fair. I mean, he knows he knows what TJ Finley's struggles have been and, and are going to continue to be, quite honestly. But I don't care if Zach Calzada got sixty five percent of the offense down, but give him a shot. 
if 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 you're going to rely on three interceptions of two games and, and inconsistencies, and obviously you can just run the the basically the running plays. Robbie Ashford, you're not confident him throwing the ball down the field. Then why not give him a shot? And the, my last question to you guys is this: If Auburn loses, say on a field goal with four seconds to go, mm-hmm. or they get beat forty-two to ten, what's more damaging in your guys' eyes? I think I think a beat down at home would be worse than than hanging with a top twenty-five team and mm-hmm. and losing off of a game-winning field goal or a game-winning drive or something like that. I think a domination at home would would be just it would be really damning to Brian Hartson and this program. I, I'll I be would honest. Say, I would say a domination would be the worst thing that could happen if you get smoked on your home home field, especially in front of all those recruits heading into conference play. But at the same time. If you do lose, if you do have that heart ripped out of your chest moment at the very end where Penn State hits a touchdown on the final play or a field goal on the final play to win the game, that can also be pretty damaging too. I mean, honestly, I think if we're talking exclusively about a loss, I think like a like a 10-point loss where like you're in the game the whole way, but like Penn State just kind of keeps you at arm's length, maybe you're able to get off the mat a little easier after that. I just think the, the other two alternatives – can rip your heart out and make it tough to bounce back. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all take care. Yeah, have a good Friday, Terry. Terry. We appreciate you calling in. That's Terry here on the Friday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Well, I'm glad Terry brought it up because this is kind of what we were going to get into is just the the significance of this game. And, And like I told him, it's crazy how how much pressure and how much and just Everything is on this game for Brian Harson and Auburn against Penn State tomorrow. And it seems like we knew this was the game coming into the season that Mm -hmm. everybody had circled. It's the first big game, and it was trying to see if Auburn could bounce back. But from what we've seen through the first two games, the pressure has built up times five on this game because of what we've seen and maybe even a little foreshadowing on the rest of this 2022 season because if we see tomorrow what we've seen in the first two games you're going to lose and it's not going to be pretty for this season which means it's probably not going to be pretty for the future of Brian Harson, and it's not going to be pretty for the future of Auburn football that is what all has been shrunken down into a four-hour football game tomorrow at 2:30 in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yeah, I think tomorrow is if you play the way that you've been playing, which which I doubt you're going to play exactly that that the same way because you've been pretty vanilla, probably on both sides. And you you heard Schmetting say as much on uh, Tiger Talk uh, when asked about if they were going to sit back against Cl- Clifford like last year. He said, uh, "I I don't think he wants to see that. And I I think he's going to do some uh, more creative things on the defensive side." But it comes down to execution. You haven't you haven't had the cleanest execution to this point in the season. It doesn't to me. It doesn't matter how creative you get if you can't execute what's being called on offense and defense. If you're mm-hmm. having coverage busts and you're letting these Penn State receivers run wide open and catch wide open passes for huge huge gains, that doesn't matter to me. Like if you're not able to fit the run game and they're able to rip off big runs. Then look, the defense is doing its job. If the offense can't complete passes, if they can't get the run game going, I mean, it it could be a long long day. But I do think I expect this Auburn team to come out with a little more energy and and a little more focus out the gate. I just don't know which way this game goes, though. I agree, and we're going to get into that a whole lot more later in the show again. Jack Hudden, our good buddy from the Auburn High School Sports Network, is going to join us in the second hour. We're going to talk a lot more about this game specifically, some other games around the SEC, but this idea of 
of Auburn and Penn State tomorrow, 2.30 CBS, everybody in the country is going to be watching this game. I mean, that's just a fact. Everybody will have this game on in some way, shape, or form. And you look at what this game has become, the media coverage it's getting, and the 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 negativity that's going to come out of this if Auburn does lose. And I like the direction Terry was going with the phone call is if Auburn is to lose. Because let's just be honest. I mean, there's a good chance Auburn does lose. There's a good chance they win, but there's a good chance they lose. I would put it on a coin flip right now. I really, really would. And so if Auburn does lose, and I'm not a huge fan of this conversation all the time, but I think it is important and applicable right here. If Auburn were to lose in a blowout versus Auburn losing on like a game-winning field goal or a last-minute drive in a two-minute drill type of thing, I think you want the close call because then and you want Auburn to look good doing it I think that would be the difference in those two because if you come in tomorrow in your home place and Penn State dominates you both sides of the football they dominate you for four quarters then people are going to say well you can't hang with Penn State you're not going to hang with anybody in the SEC maybe Brian Hartson is not the answer but if you lose in a close game and you look good doing it you just couldn't complete the job there may be a little sliver of hope still for Auburn fans if if Penn State comes in and does a repeat performance of USC in 2003, perception-wise nationally, and even in that locker room, it's going to be way worse than if you lose a 17-14 game on a last-second field goal. I think that you you need to show up and you need to fight. At least show that you're competing with a top 25 team mm-hmm. because you can at least, if you lose that way, there, there, there's enough meat on the bone to to spin it and be like, hey, we're right there. We are right there with a top 25 team, and they may go on to do some impressive things in the Big Ten. There's there's a way to spin that. But if you if you let this Penn State team come in and run roughshod all over you, it's gonna be it's gonna be really really hard to spin that into any sort of salvageable salvageable at all. And I think even if Auburn were to lose a close game tomorrow, if it plays out like it played out last year at Penn State and Happy Valley where Auburn had about 50 chances to win this football game and they didn't do it and they lost a close game on the road that they probably should have won, if it plays out like that tomorrow in Jordan-Hare, I think a lot of people are going to be upset and a lot of people are going to start losing confidence in Brian Harson as the guy because if you have a game like that where, sure, you hang in there with Penn State and you're hanging with a top 25 team, but you're blowing opportunities to win the football game and you show that you are the better team for four quarters, but yet you still lose the game like Auburn did last year at Penn State, I think that's a bad thing. And I think Auburn fans will say, well, that's twice in a row we've seen it against the same team Nothing has changed from last year to this year. That's going to be the response from Auburn fans if the game tomorrow plays out like it did last year at Penn State. Yeah, but I think that that's, that's not as bad as if you just get shelled on your home field. Oh, if I agree. Get, oh, I agree 100%. If you 100%. get blitzed from the word go, I mean... Oh, yeah. yeah no, you, there's you no get, doubt. There's no, there's no way to spin that nope. into any sort of a positive. Nope. I mean, you... You have to you have to come out and compete in this game. You you need a win, you really do, but but you can at least salvage something out of a close loss, but you regardless, you have to be competitive in this game and you really need to come out with a win. Let me ask you this before we go to break. 
if Auburn does lose, is there any way to salvage the season? I, I mean, obviously, you could say win games, right? If you go out and win some games you're not supposed to. And if you start 4-1, and one, I think that's the way you could salvage this if you do lose to Penn State. But if you do lose tomorrow, the confidence in Auburn beating LSU is not super, super high. And I think, you know, coming into this season, we talked about it. Auburn going 5-0 and or 4-1 and in the first five games, you have to do that 100%. But it just seems like this game tomorrow has just been built up so much more than even a couple of weeks ago, man. I, I, I don't know. I think Auburn could salvage the season if they lose tomorrow, but I just don't think you even want to risk it, man. You, you can still beat Missouri and LSU, and you can be 4-1 and one going to Athens. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this Auburn team right now as it's currently playing and as, as it's currently constructed really has a chance against what I think is far and away the best team in the country right now. Georgia, yeah. So I'm going to say you come out of that 4-2. and two, You are good enough if you force turnovers, you play a clean game, you can beat Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is one of the more overrated teams in the country this year. You can come out of that, go into the bye 5-2. and two. It's that backstretch – like you would have, you'd have to win. You'd have to beat A and M at home. Would you, you feel good about Auburn being five and two coming out of the bye week? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, I would too. Honestly, yeah, I think I yeah. would too. That would, that would that would show me something. That would show me that this team, this team had some early season adversity, and found a way to come back and, and win some games. And so, I think my point here is: before we go to break, we'll come back and wrap up the first hour. My point is this. This is a huge game for Auburn tomorrow. Auburn versus Penn State. You get the rematch. You lost at their place last year. It's time to give it back to them and beat them at your place this year. It's a huge game. It's one of the biggest games of the year. But I don't think that this game tomorrow is the the all-be-all destiny-fulfilling or destiny-crushing game for Brian Harson and this Auburn football program. If they lose tomorrow, there is a case and there is a situation and a scenario where Auburn's season can still be okay and you get better as the season goes on and you can beat some of those teams on the back end of your schedule. Do you need to win tomorrow? Uh, you should, and I, it would definitely help your team and your season but I don't think this game tomorrow is the just be-all, be-all for Auburn and Brian Hartson. I just don't think it is. And so, I mean, do you, do you agree with that? I, there is a path. I think it's unbelievably difficult. Oh, it's tough, no doubt. Brian Hartson has to get to eight wins, and I have a hard time if you lose Saturday. It's a, it's a really hard path to eight wins because then you're having to pull upsets at Mississippi State or against A&M at home or against a really good Arkansas team at home, mm-hmm. and it's just... It'll be a grind to get to eight. It'll be really difficult. And if you lose Saturday, I think that's just really, really hard to do. It's going to be hard to do, but I'm going to stick by what I said coming into this season. Auburn needs to start 5-0 and or 4-1 and before heading to Athens, and I think they're going to be okay. Tomorrow, you, you, a win would, would help you out tremendously, but I don't think there's as much pressure on this game as a lot of people have put. Let's take our final break in this first hour. We'll come back, wrap it up with some Atlanta Braves talk before we welcome in Jack Hudden of the Auburn High School Sports Network. All that and more here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Wrapping up our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Taking just a quick break from football, talk some Atlanta Braves as the uh, the race is on in the NL East for, uh, or I guess between the Braves and the Mets, where you're looking at a Braves team, they are entering a big time stretch in their uh, in their schedule. They've got the Phillies, then they have the Nationals, then they play the Phillies again, and then they play the Nationals again, and then they play the New York Mets they play they play division series from here on out and every game at this point matters when you're looking at the standings in Major League Baseball you're looking at standings in the NL East it's still a it's a one game trail for the Braves behind the Mets right now the Mets are 90 and 55 the Braves are 88 and 55 so the Braves are a game back from the Mets and We've talked about this before, how the Mets have a tougher schedule, or the Mets have an easier schedule, excuse me. The Mets have an easier schedule down the stretch than the Braves, but I still think... But they're like hemorrhaging still. I know, they're just kind of in idle, but the Braves haven't been able to take advantage of it. That's the problem over the past two weeks. The Braves haven't taken advantage of the Mets not playing good ball. Well, to be fair, like when they've lost ground, they've lost ground for the most part against really good teams in the Mariners and the Cardinals over the last few weeks. Uh, But yes, the Giants series, you don't need to lose that one. Right. Uh, But yes, this Mets team, it's, it's inexplicable to me what's happening with them. The fact that they are just... They're stalling out against really bad teams. This is, this is another series where they are 35 games better than the Pirates this weekend. Didn't they just struggle with this team? It feels like the middle of last week. Yeah, they played them like a week or two ago, and I'm pretty sure they lost at least one game. If not, I don't think they lost the series, but I feel like they may have lost the maybe the opening game of the series. I'm not too sure. You'll have to pull it up and see. But I think the Mets and the Braves should both be counting and thanking their lucky stars that the other team hasn't just taken over and run away with this thing because both of them are capable of doing it, but neither one of them have. And I know the Braves have had to make up ground and they were, I mean, 10 games back at one point, but they've come all the way back. But over the last two weeks, it's been right in this two to zero game stretch uh, or a lead and they just haven't been able to just get through that hump and, and just really pound the Mets and take a 3-4 game lead, which was possible, especially with the Mets getting swept by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but regardless, it's a one-game lead for the Mets. The Braves are right there, and I still think it's going to come down to that series in Atlanta when New York comes to town, the second-to-last series of the season. It's going to be exciting, but the Braves got to take care of business. You have the Phillies and the Nationals at home. Then you turn around and play this exact same series, the Phillies and the Nationals on the road before mm-hmm. coming home for the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I think these two teams need to kick it in gear because you're starting to flirt with uh, the Cardinals are continuing to just win games and kind of they're creeping up and they're they're not too far back. They're, they're a little bit farther back of the Mets, but they're only about four, four and a half games off the off the Braves right now. If these two teams continue, the Braves and the Mets continue to kind of wallow in this 500 kind of stretch that it feels like they're in against bad teams, the Cardinals are playing good ball, and they might they might make it interesting down the stretch as far as running them down for a, uh, a, a, a two-seed, I guess, mm-hmm. in, the, in the postseason. Yeah, and look, Cardinals are one of those teams where, like you said, if you if you play around and you mess around and let them get hot, 
They're a tough team to beat, and they're a tough team to play in the postseason. You hate to go to St. Louis and play postseason baseball. That's never fun. And so for the Braves, again, it's now or never at this point. You have a legitimate chance to repeat as NL East champs. It's time to do it, and it's time to to start playing your best baseball against your best squads. You're playing, you're playing NL East teams from here on out. There's nobody else, and every single game matters. You've got to take care of business when you play Washington. You've got to take at least one of the two series against Philadelphia, and you've got to hope the Mets continue to be uh, playing an idol and, and stalling out, and you've got to win the series at home when they come to Atlanta in a couple of weeks. Uh, are you going to go? You talked about going to that series. Are you going to pull that off and go? Go go to the Mets series? I want to. I'm not sure if I would be able to. Yeah, it'd be nice, it'll be, wouldn't it? It'll be uh, difficult to uh, when make, is that? make it work. I forget. I'm pulling it up right now. That, how much fun would that be? I've never been able to watch a baseball team like claim their division in a game. Wouldn't that be cool, though? Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be. Let's awesome. see. I'm pulling it up right now. It is. I feel like we also need to make note that the Braves did activate Ozzy Albie. They did. off the 60 day DL. Yes, they did. That's a significant piece. If he if he can play second and Grissom go play left, this this Braves lineup gets that much more dangerous. And he was wrecking, and I'm just down there five for five with a game winning home run. Yeah, he's playing all right. The Mets come to Atlanta Friday, September 30th, Saturday, October 1st, and Sunday, October 2nd. Hour number one officially in the books. Stay tuned. College football talk when we come back. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Friday afternoon. You have made it. The weekend is here. We have uh, high school football tonight. We have college football tomorrow. It's going to be a great weekend, and Carter and I are just struggling to keep our laughs in over here as uh, the one and only Jumpin' Jack Hutton from the Auburn High School Sports Network. I, ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you this man ran from the parking lot to get in here, he was full-on sprint like a fifth grader running from lunch to recess. I mean, he was drifting into the parking <laughs> lot borderline He was. Here. He was. Well, Jack, we appreciate you coming in. You had He's you, out of breath. You are out of breath. Are you good to talk you good to go oh guys i'm ready to do it <laughs> guys i left from the other side of town at 2 15 to try to get over here i mean i left early i thought okay i'm gonna get over there and have time and and my gosh going through town was a nightmare going yeah it, town is a ton of people it's gonna be week. busy 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 this weekend well i went downtown yesterday uh, to go to a couple places and there were already penn state people in town walking around thursday afternoon yeah. downtown so uh there's it's gonna be a crazy weekend here on the plains auburn penn state tomorrow don't you worry 
and we're going to jump all into that in all of college football here in this hour number two but if you missed any of the first hour be sure to go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast you can find it there or at espnau.com under the podcast center you can find it right there reminder that tomorrow is the after the game show here on espn 1067 with both of these fine gentlemen carter bird and jack hudden they will be doing the after the game show auburn plays at 2 30 i assume you guys will go on probably 6 30 6 45 somewhere around I think in there it'll probably be seven ish yeah maybe even a little bit later 6 45 7 somewhere in there but as soon as the auburn game is over tune in right here on espn 1067 they'll be taking your calls and reactions to auburn and penn state hopefully you guys will be discussing a victory but i've got it at a coin toss we're going to talk about that later but it's the after the game show here on espn 1067 it's all brought to you by urgent care clinic in auburn open seven days a week no appointment necessary and no wait time get better with urgency at urgent care clinic in auburn it's the after the game show right here on espn 1067 so make sure you tune in for that these guys did a great job last week but as we get into our number two let's start talking about what's going on this weekend in football first tonight it's high school football jack auburn high last night had a great win uh up in montgomery against lee tell us about it a little bit yeah so tigers uh came in as the favorite they were four and oh coming in uh lee maybe not the greatest year so far they've been oh and three and uh the tigers they really started out kind of started out slow got a safety on the board to start so that was good they got out to a two nothing lead uh, but then Lee came right down the field, and it, it looked as if they were going to score to take the lead right back. Auburn gets a big fumble and a uh, scoop and score from Coleman Granberry. Takes it 78 yards back to the house, and from there, Auburn just never looked back. 58-7, to your final Gosh. up there. Tigers are playing some ball this year. They are. They're playing really well on both sides of the football, really. And, you know, they're they're running that, what, that two-quarterback system yep. with uh, with Harson and uh, what's the other kid's name? So it's uh, Clyde Pittman. That's right. the That's starter, right. and then yep. you've got uh, Davis Harson, who, mm-hmm. and they alternate drives out, and it's funny because usually when you have a two quarterback system you really have you may have a one's a, a more of a passer or a pocket guy and then the other one that comes in is your runner maybe your wildcat quarterback um this is really an interesting situation where they're kind of the same quarterback Clyde Pittman Davis Harson they're both pocket guys that have some mobility maybe Davis Harson just a little bit more than Clyde Pittman but uh, really interesting to see kind of the dynamic there is that they they alternate drives and they're pretty much the same quarterback but they both get the job done yeah I mean when you put up 50 something points in a game I mean you're doing something right with two quarterbacks so Auburn High gets the victory last night uh Lochapoca Beauregard Opelika all on the road tonight but Lee Scott Academy they are at home for the first time this year Carter and I have Glenwood tonight uh, over at Lee Scott Academy so mm-hmm. I can't I can't stress this enough if you're in the Auburn area and you enjoy watching football especially high school ball get out to Lee Scott Academy kick off at seven it's going to be a fantastic game but if you can't make it out there tune into AU 100 that's 100.3 on your radio dial you can tune in on the Lee Scott Sports Network presented by the orthopedic clinic Jack and or it's not Jack me and Carter will be over there uh Pre-game will start at 6.30, kickoff at 7. Lee Scott versus Glenwood. Game of the week. It's a huge rivalry game. Should be a fantastic game and atmosphere. We are looking forward to that. Lee Scott and Glenwood, again, on the Lee Scott Sports Network. On AU100, that's 100.3. You can tune in on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page or the YouTube channel, so we're excited for that. But, gentlemen, let's get to do some college ball a little bit because it may not be the best weekend of college football, but there's still some really, really good games. And, of course, we're going to get into 
to Auburn Penn State in just a little bit. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what are some of your picks for the weekend? What games are you watching outside of Auburn and Penn State uh, around the SEC, around college football and Carter, you and I talked about this a little bit. Your game that you're going to be watching is BYU and Oregon this Mm -hmm. weekend. Yeah, just because I think BYU is going to go on the road to Oregon and they're going to get an upset there. And they're going to have two ranked wins against good, good Power 5 teams in the country. And I think that's that's going to be a great resume builder for this BYU team that I really believe if they handle their business this year, you're going to see BYU in that fourth slot because they have a Notre Dame team in a little bit. They host Arkansas. They also uh, put, go on the road to Stanford to finish out their season. If they find a way to run the table on their schedule, they will be in the college football playoff. So, Jack, what games, out? of course, outside of Auburn and Penn State, uh, what games are you going to be watching, keeping up with? Uh, you guys will be talking about them on the After the Game show, but some games that you're going to be watching and keeping up with on Saturday outside of Auburn and Penn State. Yeah, so I feel like the the one that I'm keeping an eye on that I don't know is going to get the notoriety, uh, but – this this Cal versus Notre Dame game intrigues you. me. Uh-oh. With you, the Golden Bears. It's going to be ugly. See, we it's stay on the so same ugly. level. Uh, Cal is two and zero coming into this, and Notre Dame has yet to really pick up the pieces from that first loss against Ohio State. They come out and get beat by Marshall. And, what are they going to look like? And starting quarterbacks out for the year. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. add that in there as well. That's going to be interesting. I like that one. Um, I'm interested to see. So uh, the, uh, another big talk is Kansas. Uh, Kansas is two and zero on the year, I believe. A win over West Virginia is that Uh-oh. right? Yeah. So um, they Kansas. are they are they are two and zero for the first time since 2011. Yeah. One and zero in Big Twelve play for the first time since 2009. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if Kansas can keep the rock momentum chalk, going. The Rock Chalk Jayhawks. That's right. Going up against Houston. Um, yeah, so I, I'm interested in a couple games, and there's not really some ranked opponents in that, but those are just going to be kind of intriguing to watch some teams that you may not have seen really jump up before. All of a sudden, may start to have some Cinderella stories. I'm telling you right here, if Kansas beats Houston, you're going to see Lance Leipold rocket to the top of everybody's. We have to hire this guy yeah. if a job opens in the country. He's already being mentioned at Nebraska in the same breath with Matt Campbell and some of the other names being mentioned there. If he gets a win over Houston, because we're talking about Kansas. <laughs> I was Kansas. Say, if you can Kansas. do it at Kansas, you can do it anywhere. Yeah, man. exactly. Well, let me say this. Kansas, I have this. Remember when Kansas rushed the field against Texas and there were like 200 people on the field? Yeah, they couldn't even <laughs> cover the logo. <laughs> I mean, they really couldn't. Look, I have not watched Kansas football this year. I'm going to be really honest with you, fellas. I haven't. But... I did watch Houston last week against Texas Tech, and they did not impress me whatsoever. No, I thought really they were going to win the game. Uh, I thought they were better than that. They were a top 25 team, and they just didn't look good. I mean, from start to finish, yeah, they were in the game, and the game itself was pretty good, but Houston did not impress me. Am I saying that Kansas is going to beat them? No, because it's Kansas. Let's let's slow down a little bit, but you never know. And so, uh, yeah, look, it, that'll be a good game. Uh, you've got Florida State and Louisville tonight. Don't really know what that's going to be. I think it's going to be ugly, but it should yeah. be a competitive game nonetheless. There's going to be five or six things that happen in that game that you're like, this shouldn't happen in a Power Five, Power Five college football game between two pro- programs who, 
if you want to watch good football, like this isn't going to be it. It's going to be there's going to be gross stuff that happens all over the field, dumb stuff that happens all over the field. High school football tonight is going to be a lot better than Florida State and Louisville. I can tell you that. You have a real chance for for, for Lee Scott and Glenwood being a more a more clean, a cleaner, <laughs> um, more higher level football. Just because I feel like dumb stuff always happens when Louisville plays, and dumb stuff always happens when FSU plays. <laughs> Look, it's we're not going to watch it because we're going to be calling Lee Scott and Glenwood, but. I mean, I'll at least look at the score and see what's going on. But, uh, but Jack, looking around the SEC a little bit, you have Georgia-South Carolina tomorrow, a game where most people have written South Carolina off. Most people do not give them a hope of prayer. Uh, it's a 25-point spread right now for Georgia. But can Spencer Rattler give Georgia enough fits to try to pull out an upset here at home? No. <laughs> no, it short just, and sweet. No. It, well, it just seems to me Georgia's on another level this year. Uh, they came out against Oregon, and you know everybody thought it was going to be Bo Nix's revenge against Georgia, and that just got did beaten we, to a did, pulp did very quickly. Think well, that, that maybe, Bo Nix was going to win that every, game. Not maybe everybody, but there as far were, as there I was know, a it large, was just Christian Clemente. <laughs> <laughs> a large yeah. contingency, I guess, of people, maybe towards the northwestern part of the United States, uh, thought, "Oh man, Bo Nix is coming in. You know, he's played George before. He knows how to do it." And, and those went all swimmingly in the past yes yeah well um, we'll see we're going to talk about that some more and give some predictions here coming up but let's head to the phone lines 334-321-1390 ed you're on the line welcome in man hey guys how y'all doing we're doing Doing good what you got ed uh uh uh, just a couple of things uh earlier y'all talked uh somebody asked would you rather be i know how heartbreaking uh I, i went through the van tip and kick and you know how heartbreaking it is to lose, but there's no doubt that I would rather see Auburn lose the last second tomorrow than than a blowout. I, they have got Brian Harson to keep his job. They have got to show they have, uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. a, a team. They got to compete and, tomorrow, and man. Yes, and, and and cut down on on, on mistakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we're all, we're all hoping for a different team, and uh, and we, uh, hey War Eagle, I'm right there behind you. I hope all these mistakes that have we've been mentioning, but but it's it, it's no uh, listen. Bama uh, fired Bill Curry after a ten and one season. Yeah. You know, yeah, because they didn't see the progress that they wanted, and when uh, you know. In recruiting, and you've you got to see, and I'm not talking about Brian Harson, I'm talking about any program. You've mm-hmm. got to see improvement, and we haven't seen that yet. But the season's young. The, the other thing I don't understand, I saw the, the other day reading uh, the, right the top tight ends, and Georgia's got three out of the SEC. But this is, you know, I, y'all probably read that it was in a block Auburn news, but and then uh, South Carolina's got two of, and uh, two of them, and Auburn doesn't have any. And we we have recruited. And, uh, hey, I love John Samuel Shanker mm-hmm. for everything he's done for Auburn. And uh, you know, I'd love to see him like in a fullback spot or something. But we we keep hearing about Landon King. We keep hearing about. Some other, uh, you know, well, we, you know, Luke Dill and Tyler Fromm, and some of them have had their moments. But between them and and then on the defense, uh, 
Dylan Brooks, Robert Woodyard, we haven't seen a, a bit. Yeah, and, and Ed, I think that has a lot to do with the two opponents that Auburn has played so far. They've been pretty vanilla on offense anyway, and there's a lot of guys that we heard about coming through fall camp that we just haven't seen yet. I think you're going to see some of those guys tomorrow, and I think you're going to see some more as the season goes on. Ed, we appreciate the call. we got to get to our first break. Uh, we appreciate you calling in here on this Friday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we're going to make some SEC picks and college football picks before we get into this Auburn-Penn State matchup. More of On the Line when we come back. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, and Jack Hutton with you here in this second hour as we are about to go in and make some uh, SEC picks and college football picks for week three. But back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, we cut you off a little bit for the commercial. I apologize, man. What else you got for us? Uh, uh, I'm just asking, who was which one of y'all was finished me up that uh, that that was smart? How Auburn? Who was the last guy that finished? That was me, Jacob. What's up, man? Jacob. Yes, man. sir. Dad, gum it. What? What? What kind of coaching tree did have you ever know any coaches? You made a statement like it was smart for Auburn not to use these young players in two gimme games. I've never heard of a coach so that they could unleash him on Penn State. You always play, you know, your iffy players, your young players in in early gimme games. I I don't know exactly what you meant by that. You might have just probably you just trying to get me off the line real quick for a break. But you've got to play your young players in easy games. That 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 bit. Uh, it, Gus Malzahn, he didn't do it. Uh, it bit uh, Harson last year. He didn't, you know, get. But let's face it. Now, one thing, one thing I didn't get to mention is, mm-hmm. is the other thing that we've talked about: offensive line. You know, they, it, it, we, they, great guys. I, I love that they came back to Auburn, but we. We we have no offensive line that, that could really. I don't know if we have any uh, guy that could start at you know some of the better programs. But 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 yeah, I, I don't know if you could explain to me what you meant by they shouldn't. Yeah. Play, play yeah. Well, I'm gonna oh, hang up and listen. Buddy. Okay. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you calling back. Yeah. Well, what basically what I meant was. When you when you have two games against Mercer and San Jose State and you've got all of these guys that we've heard so much about through fall camp, do you want them to play and get the experience? Yes, but at the same time, you don't want to just open up your entire deck of cards and, and show that everybody is a threat when you do have Penn State, Missouri, LSU, these games coming up on the schedule. So would I have liked to see these guys play a little bit more than they did? Some of them didn't touch the field. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to have seen that. Carter and I talked about that where guys like Camden Brown, who have really not made an impact at all, but I just think that's what we've seen. That doesn't necessarily mean I fully agree with what they've done, but that is what they've done. They just haven't played some of these guys, and I think that's probably why they've done it. That's what I meant by that. Um, I mean, right, guys? I mean, that's kind of where 
That's kind of where I was going with that. They've leaned on experience when when I really would like to see some of these younger guys. Yeah, I agree. I, think, I 100% agree. I, I think you're going to see more of them as the season progresses. Landon King made some big plays down the stretch last year. You're going to need him at some point. Mm-hmm. And then Camden Brown, you've heard enough about him. I'm, I'm so curious to know what he looks like in an Auburn uniform out there catching balls. But Ed was right where with these younger guys, you do want them to get the experience Agreed. because you can't expect them to come into Penn State game and just be fantastic superstars. So I see where he was coming with that, but I was just sort of talking where that's just kind of what we've seen, and I think that's why they have done it. Doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it, but that is what we've seen so far from Auburn. But as we have a few minutes here in this segment, let's get to some picks before in the next segment we're going to break down Auburn-Penn State, get our predictions on that game, fellas. So looking around college football, we'll start with the nasty one tonight, Florida State and Louisville. It's Florida State at Louisville tonight at 6.30 on ESPN. So if you have that on the TV, just have it muted and have us on for the Lee Scott game against Glenwood but gentlemen it's not going to be pretty tonight Florida State is favored by two and a half on the road at a Louisville team that is very very iffy who you got and why I'm going to take FSU because I trust the quarterback more uh Malik Cunningham at times can be unbelievable can be awesome but uh you've seen Jordan Travis so far be a little bit more consistent to open this season I think FSU has more talent um Scott Satterfield is on the hot seat and I don't see that ending well this year. Yeah, for a lot of the same reasons, I think I'm going with FSU too. I find it interesting. FSU came into this year and it, it kind of like a lot of a lot of SEC programs and somewhat kind of like Auburn. There were a lot of question marks around FSU this year as to what they were going to be able to do. They come out, in my opinion, steal one from LSU, even though LSU I don't think is, is very good. LSU is really bad. They end up stealing Three one from LSU. Three and nine LSU is still yes. the dream and it's still on the table. <laughs> but FSU, they get the win over Duquesne to start the year. Come out, they beat LSU. They win tonight. They go into next week hosting Boston College. They could be 4-0 and to start the year, and it's a team that I didn't even think was going to win four games. Yeah, that was my biggest swing right. and miss on the season is Boston College might be the worst team in the ACC and maybe the Power Five. Yeah, well, I've got Florida State tonight. I think they just have more talent than Louisville, and that's pretty much why I'm going to pick the Seminoles because of a talent thing, a talent difference, if you will, between them and Louisville. As we move into the games tomorrow on Saturday, Georgia at South Carolina, the Bulldogs favored by 25. Gentlemen, who do you have, and does Georgia – I'm assuming you're both going to pick Georgia, but do they cover the spread? Can South Carolina make this a game tomorrow? No. No. See, it's that easy, Jacob. You just just pick South Carolina. I guess so. I guess so. That Georgia defense is too good, and that Georgia offense has too many athletes, and Spencer Rattler is way too inconsistent. I think this is going to be uh, what happens when you see an unstoppable force meet a very, very movable object. Yeah, I could see Spencer Rattler coming out and making maybe making some flashy plays. And I think Rattler's one of those guys where he's going to be able to play up to the level on some plays, almost kind of like we see with TJ Finley some sometimes on you, some plays. I noticed you didn't say some game. No, 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 no. Plays. Yes, it's plays because I, I was very careful with my wording. <laughs> yeah. No, it's on some plays. I think he can look like a very flashy athlete. but Yeah, he's got know, the best arm talent be in the country, yeah. but he's – still Spencer Rattler yeah, and he's not going to be able to come out and I don't think beat this Georgia defense so I think Georgia will cover look I think Georgia's going to win I think the first half maybe at least the first quarter the first quarter will be competitive I think it'll be close I think you could see 
Uh, it could be a tie game. It could be a one-possession game going either way coming out of the first quarter. Second half, or especially in the second half, you're going to see Georgia's talent and depth really take over South Carolina. Yeah. Jack, I liked where you were going with that, where Spencer Rattler, he's too good to not make some plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just don't think he's going to be able to but make he's enough. he's too bad to make consistently good <laughs> plays. I just don't think he can beat Georgia's defense by himself. Yeah. And I, I think that's why Georgia wins this game. I like South Carolina to cover. I don't think that Georgia beats them by that much when it's all said and done. Being at South Carolina, 11 a.m. kick, you just don't know what you're going to get. Georgia wins the game. They're probably going to win by double digits, but I'm going to have South Carolina to cover 25 points. I will die on the hill that South Carolina 2021 was the biggest mirage in in college football. That team was not that good. <laughs> well, I, I have South Carolina covering tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. 11 a.m. kick Georgia at South Carolina. The The next game we're going to pick Cal and Notre Dame. It's ugly, folks. It is not pretty. Notre Dame looking for a win. They've got Cal, who's 2-0, coming into Notre Dame. Who do you have quickly and why? I mean, I'm going to take Cal to cover because I don't believe in either offense, and it might be a 10-7 to game. Uh, give me Cal the under because th- this is going to be gross. It's going to be like watching Iowa and South Dakota State two weeks ago. So I did pick. I, I did pick this as one of the games that I wanted to watch. I do think that Notre Dame is going to show some sort of trying to get their season rolling. I'm going to tentatively pick Notre Dame for now just because they're at home and maybe they find a way to get some momentum rolling. Because that went so well last week. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I know it. But I'll, I'll, I guess I'll stick with the Irish one more week and then uh, I'll, I'll not believe in them next week, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to pick Notre Dame as well to beat Cal, just being at home, trying to get their first win of the season. Surely Notre Dame has better athletes than Cal. I'm going to take the Fighting Irish. I think they're going to pull it out. Hang on. Are, are y'all picking against the spread or are y'all picking who's going to win? I'm Notre picking. Dame's going to win. I'm saying Cal's going to cover. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take Cal to cover the spread. Yeah, They're favored by, Notre Dame's favored by 12. I'll Thank take you. Cal to cover the spread, that, boys? but Notre there. Dame's <laughs> going to win. we got a couple more to make here quickly. BYU and Oregon, we talked about it's going to be a good one. I have BYU winning on the road. I'm on the BYU train. I like them a lot. Same. BYU's awesome this year. BYU's going to win this game. And Eugene, because Oregon is soft, and BYU is more physical and has a better quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and I think that we saw some, we saw some flashes from Bo Nix, especially while he was at Auburn, where he can go out and beat a good team, sometimes at home, so there is that uh, factor coming in, but I do like BYU. What I saw out of them last week was was very impressive against Baylor. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with or, uh, BYU in this one. A couple more SEC games. Ole Miss playing at Georgia Tech. Vanderbilt at Northern Illinois. Who you guys got in both of those games and why? I don't know if you all have paid attention to Clemson in week two, but um... – Furman's defensive line gave that Georgia Tech or that Clemson front that offensive line some trouble. That should tell you that Georgia Tech's defense is not as good as we thought. Ole Miss is going to roll in this one. Georgia Tech's bad. Jeff Collins is getting fired here at the end of the year because there's no way they get to a bowl game that schedules abysmal. Yeah, Georgia Tech's been they've had a rough go over the past what how many however many years it is. I know they've gone to a little bit less of a West Coast style offense and from the past they've had um, Ole Miss. I think just got too many athletes and uh, they'll they'll come out of this one. I could see Georgia Tech at home maybe putting up a fight for a little while, uh, kind of like they did against Clemson. But I think that Ole Miss offense wins it in the end. A couple more games before we get to break. Really, really quick. This is the game I'm going to be watching Saturday night. Mississippi State, LSU. I think this is a sneaky good game. Do we? What kind of response do we see from the from the Tigers in Baton Rouge and LSU? I like Mississippi State on the road, folks. I, I think it's going to be a good Carter's game. Carter's picking. Yeah, Carter's <laughs> picking Mississippi State. He doesn't have to open his mouth. I know that. Mississippi State is the third best team in the SEC West. Yep. And Will Rogers is going to show it. He's going to throw it around the yard. The secondary for LSU can't hang. 
Mississippi State by two scores. Yeah, I like Mississippi State in this game. I think it's good. Miami, Texas A&M, really quick. We're almost up against the break. Miami at Texas A&M. Who wins, gentlemen? Miami. They're more athletic, more physical, and you have a new quarterback at A&M. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I, if for some reason, I feel like A&M will be able to come back and maybe get a win and get away from that App State nonsense. I'll pick the Aggies, but very, uh, very, uh, not sure about that. I have Miami. We got 30 minutes left. Stay tuned. We're going to talk Auburn Penn State when we come back. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on this Friday afternoon on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, and Jack Hutton joining us in studio for the second hour here on this Friday afternoon on ESPN 106.7. Carter, I'm giving you a two-minute time limit. You've got some... uh, some weird games that you are really excited about, and you got some bold predictions. What you got, man? UTSA is absolutely going on the road to Texas and covering 12 and a half, and I bet you it is a one-score game, touchdown game. By the time that's all said and done, it wouldn't shock me if UTSA has the ball with a chance to put a score on the board to send it to overtime or maybe even win. All right, but, interesting. Uh, UTSA to one. cover 12 and a half at Texas. All right. What's the most fun FCS game uh, on the schedule this week? I, w- I want I want to ask y'all. I don't know. Is Jackson State playing somebody? No, no, no. Well, I, no. I'm not. I'm not looking at that. I don't but. have FCS pulled up. I have FBS pulled up. Well, well, give it to us. Who is it? Go take a look at what's happening in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Missouri State. On the road ah, at Arkansas. Oh, by what? Petrino. Oh. That's right. Yes, that's sir. right. Yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Gotcha. And okay. I'm going to call my shot here. This is a big one. G5 team on the road that is a two more than two score underdog gonna pull the upset on Saturday. Who is it? Sun Belt baby, South Alabama on the road at UCLA. UCLA. Wow. Yeah, that dub. Wow. I'm you right I now. looked at that earlier. I looked at that. I don't know. That that is bold. That's you about mean as that bold as it gets. Stadium full of Bruins fans that showed up. <laughs> yeah. 15 and a half point underdogs are going to go on the road cuz South Al is a solid team and they're going to beat Chip Kelly and UCLA and Chip Kelly is going to all of a sudden be squarely on the hot seat. In front right. of about 400 people. Yeah, it's like Kansas. In the scorching heat of Los Angeles. So, all right, write it down, folks. Carter has South Alabama winning outright against UCLA on the road. It's That's bold. I'll give it to you. That, that is very, very bold. But as we get into the discussion of the game of the week, Auburn and Penn State, tomorrow, 2.30 on CBS, what is your score prediction? Who wins and why? 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you. Gentlemen, let's get into this a little bit before we give our predictions we're going to save that till the very end of the show but Auburn and Penn State with how it went last year and the just the multiple 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 chances that Auburn had to win this game last year and could not get it done what needs to happen for Auburn to be successful tomorrow and win the game Jack will start with you and then we'll go to Carter yeah I think first deal with Auburn and I think last year you saw a lot of this up in uh, Happy Valley when they went up there, but um, it, when you went up there, Auburn was able to run the ball, and they mm-hmm. were able to do it pretty effectively. That was kind of Jarquez Hunter's breakout game um, of the season. So you look at running the ball, and I think that that's going to be doable for Auburn. But as we have seen so far this year, that passing offense is it is you know iffy at best, really. So uh, he, the the biggest thing that I think Auburn can do in this game, Penn State's going to load the box and they're going to dare Auburn to throw it. 
I think the biggest thing Auburn can do in this game is open up some holes on the line, even with eight guys in the box. They got to throw some tight end formation. They got to throw some heavy jumbo packages out 13 there. 13 personnel. Put three just, of them on, yes, on the field. And just beat them at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's, you know, and that's, that's pretty simple for the most part, but that's what you've got to be able to do, I think, against this team. Uh, beat them. Let them know you can run the ball. If they back off looking like they're going to be able to stop the pass, uh, you can even run it better. If they come up and try to stack the box a little more, that's when you can open it up. Well, first off, I'm going to start off with, for the love of everything that is holy, please do not drop eight the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> because you did that last year, and Sean Clifford had the game of his life. It picked oh, you apart. 28 yeah. of 32, like, what, 300-something yards, yeah. a few touchdowns. Auburn, Auburn made him look really, really good last year. So get pressure on Sean Clifford because he's not that good. You need you got to do that. DBs have to find the football. They have to step up and play their best game of the yeah. year. That's what I'm going to be watching for. I don't think this Penn State team can run on Auburn. I don't care what what – Singleton did against Ohio last week. This is a different animal. They couldn't run against Purdue. What makes me think they're going to run against Auburn? I don't see that happening. On offense, you got to find a way to to get TJ Finley in a rhythm. You got to find a way to stay ahead of the chains because when we've seen TJ run into trouble, it's on these third and longs when he's trying to make plays. And generally, stuff stuff goes haywire and stuff goes poorly. That's that's a really good point. And for me, it, for me on the offensive side, Auburn's strength is running the football. Yeah. And you have three guys: Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and Damari Alston that you can legitimately rotate in and out any situation and feel confident in those three running the football. Now, it's not just about the running backs; it is about the offensive line, and they have to be able to hold their own against a tough defensive or a defensive line from Penn State. They've got to create some holes for these guys because we know the strengths of these three running backs. They need to be in the open field. Jarquez can make some bigger cuts than Tank. But when these guys get in the open field and they make yards after contact, that is where their strength is. And so we don't need to just run straight through the tackles and hope they can bust through a hole. Let's bounce outside a little bit, but let's also just have some holes in the middle for these guys to get up, get through some holes, and try to outrun some guys and pick up some big yards. And like Carter said, get stay ahead of the chains because you don't want to be in third and longs and, force and, and rely on TJ Finley right now as we know him as a quarterback to try to pick up a first down with third and eight and so exactly you, you got to run the football and you got to do it well throw it when you need to throw it when you have to and throw it when the defense doesn't expect you to I think that's what Auburn has I to do think, tomorrow I think there is a good path to throwing on first down because you know this Penn State team is going it knows that you have not shown a lot in the passing game they're going to load that box they're going to expect the run early Give TJ some easy completions right off the bat on first down because that's the most effective way to get a quarterback that is either struggling or is young, get him into the flow of the game. Just keep dump ahead, off screens ahead, and stuff like that. Chains, chains, slants, all that good stuff. Keep it short. Keep it. Give him some easy completions to ease him into the game. And I'd say the yeah. other thing, too, is I think there's been a lot of talk about trying to get Robbie Ashford involved in the game plan. And while it's it's good to have an athlete like that, I don't think Finley's been able to get in a rhythm. And as much as it may pain some Auburn fans to hear, 
I think that one of the best ways that this Auburn offense can be successful is to let TJ go out and get into a rhythm, keep him in there for longer. We see a lot of TJ coming in for one play, and then Robbie comes in for a play, and then now TJ's in third and medium, third and long. Mm -hmm. Let him in there for three downs. If you get a big run and you're running up to the line of scrimmage, Robbie can run in there for a first down or something like that. That way you have time and you're not just getting quarterbacks running on and off the field. Let TJ get in a rhythm and see if he can do this thing. By the way, I I don't know why this randomly popped in my head, talking about Robbie. When you had that one play where you had both TJ and Robbie on the field and you gave it to Robbie and he ran that little triple option, well, one, we know we're going to see a pass off that play. We know we're going to see a pass on that play. I just have this weird gut feeling all of a sudden that you're going to see that jet motion. You're not going to give it to Robbie, and Robbie's going to run a big wheel up the sideline, and somebody's going to let him loose because he's the backup quarterback and you don't expect him to make a play. And, and, we're gonna gonna, and, we're, and you're going to see Auburn hit a deep ball to Robbie Ashford at some point up the sideline. That'd, That'd be, be cool. ridiculous. That'd, That'd be really cool. Neat. That's the good thing about that play is there's like five different options oh, you yeah. can do on it. So uh, I like where Jack was going, though. If you want TJ Finley to be successful, you've got to let him play. Yeah. And you've got to let him get in there and get more than three or four throws in a row before you pull him out for Robbie Ashford for a random play. And Yes, if he comes in there and after five throws he throws a really bad interception, yeah, you're you're starting to worry a little bit. And mm-hmm. then the question becomes, do you go to Robbie Ashford where you've already shown you don't trust him to throw the football? Then what do you do? Do you go to Zach Calzada who reportedly has gotten some QB1 snaps this week? I don't really know. In my opinion, I don't want that to happen. If that is what happens, then fine. And maybe Zach Calzada has finally emerged as this guy that we thought he was going to be. But I think for Auburn's best chance to win tomorrow, it's for TJ Finley to come in, play well, not turn the ball over, and be a good quarterback and be a good starting quarterback. Doesn't have to be great. Just has to be good enough for this Auburn offense to put up 20 or 25 points for Auburn to have a chance to win we should not be wanting TJ Finley to fail for Zach Calzada to come in. I just don't think that's what the best option is right now for Auburn, especially to win this game tomorrow because we talked about it in the first hour, Carter. There's a lot at stake in this Auburn-Penn State game tomorrow. If you're Brian Harson, it's not a must-win game, but it's right up under I, that tier. It's a, I, you got to win it. <laughs> I truly cannot escape this feeling just in my gut that – the trajectory of the entire season hinges on this game. If you win, there is a path to a strong season. If you lose, it is so incredibly difficult to salvage and bounce back and put forth a season that is going to allow Brian Harson to be the coach in 2023. I'm on that line of about 90% on that on that side. I I'm think he- if, I'm heavier than that. I'm about 90% because about again, 99.9. again, coming into this season, I said Auburn needs to start four and one or five and zero oh in their first five games for it to be for them to have a chance to have a successful season. You can still lose that game, in my opinion, and still be okay if you get better as the season goes on. Now, like Carter said, every other team's going to get better too. And if Auburn loses tomorrow, you got to beat Missouri, you got to beat LSU. Those become must win games at that point. But is tomorrow a big opportunity for Auburn? Absolutely. Does a win tomorrow propel Auburn in this 2022 season and get them going in the right direction? You bet. But I don't think it's an absolute must win. About 90% of me says yes, absolutely. But there is a path and there is a chance where if Auburn does lose tomorrow, they still can have a successful season. 
but it's going to be tough. And I think a win would 1 million percent be a heck of a lot better than Auburn losing tomorrow. So I want to talk about this, this atmosphere tomorrow because we, we talked about it earlier. We talked about what the typical home field advantage is. Mm-hmm. Generally, I feel that Jordan Harris worth a little bit more. And then 2.30 game this this tomorrow against Penn State. First Big Ten team coming in town, orange out. We know Jordan-Hare Stadium is going to be absolute pandemonium the whole time. It's going to be a lot of fun. We know we're going to have tiger-striped jerseys How and many, everything. <laughs> yes, that is, that is Jack's take. <laughs> Jack wants, wants uh, Auburn to wear a uh, Bengals hand-me-down jerseys yep. from the NFL. I'm, I'm here for it. How many points do we think Jordan-Hare Stadium is worth in a game like this? Yeah, great question. Um, it's hard to see. It's it's really hard to, I guess, answer this question in the past because I've seen Auburn teams go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and get beat by 28 or 30. And I'll see yeah. very similar teams the very next year come back and Auburn wins in Jordan-Hare. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you can't really say that one team was so much different than the other one. Maybe you have a couple players that, uh, that give you a couple points here and there. So, you know, if we're just talking about it on that, you know, back in 2018, Auburn goes into Bryant, Denny loses 30 to 12. I think it was a 20 or a 18 point ball game. Then they come back and win by three. Is Jordan Hare worth 21 points? I don't know about that, but I think it's somewhere in the in the realm of 10 to 14 points. Well, in the betting world, they say what that a home a home a field advantage is like two and a half. So, it's so, worth so, like so two what, and a half. It's basically, or three. like a five point swing. Basically, it, they say it's worth about two and a half to three points having home field advantage. I think in specific games, specific moments in specific historical atmospheres you've seen all you've seen jordan hare stadium be worth a couple of touchdowns but at the same time uh you just truly never know 19 19 17 13 iron balls all those games i mean absolutely i i I don't think you the that 17 georgia game all of those games i think right absolutely say jordan hare stadium was worth two scores and so coming into this game tomorrow knowing that it's going to be beautiful weather it's going to be an orange out you're probably going to have a flyover like it's going to be you are Uh, by the way i i have i have seen the people from auburn sports properties uh i saw somebody post the schedule for the events of pre and pregame on the schedule is a fighter jet flyover. Excellent. Oh, nice. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. I called for it. So so I'm going to finish what I'm saying real quick. With all of that, with the weather, with the orange out, with a flyover, Big Ten team coming to Jordan-Hare, it's the game of the week. Like, everything that's riding on this, Jordan-Hare Stadium tomorrow is worth – I think five or six points for Auburn. I really, really do. That will be a major, major difference for Auburn against Penn State. Follow-up question, and I'm going to love this question. Jack's going to love this question. How many points are orange or orange jerseys worth? <laughs> well, they're not happening, so it doesn't really matter. They're not happening. Auburn's wearing blue tomorrow, so you could just wipe that out because that's not happening. Auburn is wearing orange, or they're wearing blue tomorrow. They're not going to wear orange, but it would be worth something. But again, my take my take still stands. After kickoff, it wouldn't matter anyway. If if Jacob had his way, he'd flush the uh, orange jerseys down the uh, toilet. Oh yeah, well Jacob just wear stormtroopers all the time. I would. Um, I think I would. Hundred percent. You know, if let's say Auburn for some for. Some some reason this has all been smoke screen stuff and they come out and there there's some sort of uniform change yeah it gets the students hype and it gets everybody around you but you know about second quarter or so you know you have to think that maybe some of that dies down it's still um, a football game it at the is end still of the a day. football game yeah i think you're right and so you know that maybe is good for auburn for the first quarter um and then you know it's definitely something to talk about I guess on Sundays and Mondays, but you know, I would, I'd love to see it if it is happening. Um, I don't really get some of the social media stuff that's going on with Auburn this week. I'm, it's, I'm not yeah, really we, sure. We've had, what's if going they don't on come there. out in orange jerseys, I'm, 
Yeah, but so they've already. But yeah, I mean, it's, they've it's already they've already debunked it though. I mean, they posted the picture of a blue sleeve. Like they've they've I mean, already they've already that's, sort of buried. That's exactly it. what you would screen. do if you wanted to to throw everybody off. <laughs> that's the I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, it's not happening. It's not gonna happen. I'm we just are, telling you. Jack and I are playing chestnut checkers right now. And I'm playing checkers because it's a heck of a lot more simple. It's not happening. <laughs> Auburn's wearing blue jerseys tomorrow. But it's going to be a big game. And again, Auburn, you got to play well, both sides of the football. Let me ask you guys this before we go to break. Which side of the football, I think I know your answer, but which side of the football has to play better tomorrow, the defense or the offense? And you, there's arguments for both sides, but oh, I yeah. want to hear what you guys have to say. I mean, th- this game is because I think the defense, I'm not worried about their performance. I think this game comes down to the offense. And can the offense show you something that they have not shown you through two games? I don't know if Auburn has that and is ready to show that on Saturday. Yeah, I think the other side of it is if you're looking at the defense, the thing that you want them to show that they're better at is secondary play. The defensive mm-hmm. line play has been, you know, good, not great, but it's been good enough, it seems, so far. Linebacker play, you're going to get what you get out of Owen Papo, Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner. Those guys are going to be able to at least compete. It's how does this secondary respond against somebody who, frankly, picked them apart last year. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly where I was going to go is the defensive line's got to get some pressure. Yeah. They've got to get a sack or two on on Penn State tomorrow. You cannot let Sean Clifford sit back there and throw against you and pick you apart like he did last year. And you got to give your secondary a chance to to be what they are yeah. and because they are good. And Auburn has some talent back there, but we've seen them struggle through two games. And to your point, Jordan Hare's going to help that. Jordan Hill, excuse me, Jordan Hare helps a lot oh, yeah. when you're talking about opposing quarterbacks, when you're talking about them trying to manage a game. It's going to help that, but is it going to be enough? That's the question. It, will it be enough? Yeah, exactly. I, but again, it comes down to the offense. Can Auburn run the ball effectively? Can Auburn get TJ Finley or whoever's the quarterback enough throws to get them comfortable? Can you force turnovers on defense for the first time this season? And can you not turn the ball over on offense for the first time this season? When we come back, we're going to give our final predictions for Auburn and Penn State as we wrap up this Friday. Friday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, and Jack Hutton with you here for the next couple of minutes as we are about to make our final predictions for Auburn and Penn State. We'll give our score predictions and our reason why, but make sure you stay tuned after us. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6. They are live from Sky Bar. They are on location today, so make sure you tune in for that. They'll be taking your calls just like we do, uh, talking about Auburn, Penn State, previewing the matchup tomorrow in Jordan-Hare Stadium. But, gentlemen, we've got uh, about three minutes or so before we get out of here. We'll go with Jack, we'll go with Carter, and then I'll give my final predictions before we wrap this up. Jack, who wins tomorrow? Auburn, Penn State, in the orange out, 2.30 on CBS. It's game three for Auburn. Both teams uh, coming in with a lot of momentum. Who wins tomorrow and why? Well, I think the the biggest thing that you want to look at first, of course, and we've talked about it, and it's so obvious all week, is how does this Auburn offense respond after two fairly pedestrian games? Well, maybe we'll say one and a half pedestrian games out of the Auburn offense. Um, I also think, of course, it's going to be the Auburn secondary's job to turn things around from last season and see if they can uh, you know, hold their own against Sean Clifford, who really picked them apart last year. Um, in the end, so th- this is 
not really a hot take, but it's just kind of a, I guess it's a hot take for predictions wise. I have got this game going into overtime tomorrow. Okay. We're going to see our first overtime so, game in Jordan here in a while. And I think Auburn is going to come out with a win. I think they're going to kick a field goal and get a turnover from Penn State in overtime. 27 24. I've got Auburn coming out of here with it. First overtime game in a while, like three home games ago. <laughs> three home games since the Iron Bowl. <laughs> yes. But yeah, okay. Question there. It, it, do we see a two-point penalty shootout? No, no, that's why I'm saying so. Okay. I think we see this end in one of the one of the first two. I think uh, Auburn's able to come up with a stop with a turnover somewhere, and then I think Auburn kicks a field goal for the win. So Jack has Auburn winning, beating Penn State 27-24 in overtime. Carter, who wins tomorrow and why Penn State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road? I think it's an ugly, muck-it-up kind of game, and I think that – I just think Penn State's got – a better team right now and a better quarterback. I'm going to go 21-17 Penn State. Uh, but, I mean, I could see it going either way. I think Jordan-Hare keeps the Tigers in the game, but come up just short. Hmm. So, Jack, you have 27-24 Auburn over Penn State. And overtime, Carter, you have 21-17 Penn State over Auburn. I've gone back and forth on this one, fellas, and we came on the air today, and I I still feel that this game is a coin toss. I think you could, again, you could tell me that either team were to win this thing, and I would believe you, and you could tell me that it was a blowout by Penn State or a blowout by Auburn, and I could find a way to believe that and, and feel confident in believing that. Penn State, two-and-a-half-point favorites. They come down to Auburn. I think it comes down to this. I think the defense is going to play well enough for Auburn to be in this game, and somehow some way between the run game with three running backs that are studs between a quarterback and tj finley that we saw play better towards the end of the game last week does tj finley play great no he doesn't does tj finley throw an interception tomorrow yeah i think he does but i think he's going to stay in the game he's going to make the right throws it's going to be ugly it's not going to be a pretty game i can promise you that points are not going to be uh going left and right I could tell you that but with everything that's going on with Jordan Hare Stadium and with Auburn knowing how big this game is for Brian Harson and the future of this program I have Auburn beating Penn State tomorrow and I'm gonna put it at 17 to 10 I oh think it's gonna God. be ugly I don't think many points I have 17 oh 10 God. Auburn beating Penn State tomorrow uh, it could be 10-10 going to the fourth quarter, and I like there's, Auburn to beat them 17-10 to There's going to be a lot of Auburn fans that want to, if it's a 17-10 game, that just want to puke watching that game. <laughs> but sure a win, go ahead and let you know. But a win is a win. And yes. I, again, I think it's going to be ugly, and the defense, like we've seen over the years, they're going to keep Auburn in this football game. The offense isn't going to look pretty, but it's going to get the job done. It's going to be ugly. I have Auburn winning 17-10. It's a huge game, and like I said, so much has been put on this game. The result matters to tomorrow maybe not in the standings in the sec but for the morale of the auburn fans and the auburn fan base and the auburn community and the auburn football program the result matters tomorrow and auburn's got to show that they can hang with a big 10 school with a top 25 school and try to hang around in this 2022 season we'll be back on monday to talk about the results after the game tomorrow after auburn and penn state tune in right here on espn 1067 we'll be back on monday stay safe i'll talk to you later